1: You're listening to the Red Seat Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network, presented by SB Nation, hosted by Jake Devereaux, and featuring Keaton DeRocher.
2: Welcome back to the Red Seat, episode 161. Uh, hopefully, you figured out the rotation by now, I know that when you're hearing my voice, it's me and Matt. So Matt, welcome, welcome back.
0: Thanks. I still don't know the rotation. Or I guess
2: you were on the last one. I wasn't.
0: No. I was on the last one. Jake did that with uh, Ian Cumberland. I still don't know the rotation. I get to ask Jake every Sunday if I'm doing it or not. So.
2: Oh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully even though the hosts haven't figured them. out what's going on, hopefully you <laughs> have. <laughs> Alrighty. righty. Uh, well, today we've got some stuff to talk about. we got uh, MLB's proposal to the Players Union for... Uh, Getting a season back underway, uh, which has a lot to digest. So we'll work our way through that. Uh, This upcoming week at SP Nation is underrated or underdog week. Uh, So we'll take a look at some underrated players from the Red Sox World Series run over the past 20 years. And then get into some listener questions. So to start off... uh, MLB obviously is working to progress closer to the season, but the league and the players are pretty far apart. Uh, financials is getting the most play in the media. Uh, probably helped by uh, Blake Snell's little stream there that seemed to catch fire all over the nation. Uh, league wants players to take further pay cut. Players don't want it. Uh, kind of understandably so. Considering they had already agreed to take a pay cut in a um, previous agreement a few weeks ago Now league wants to kind of rework that so i guess just to start off do you think they'll figure this out
0: i think so probably um i just i think the like the difference in pr between the players in the league at this point in time is just so so fast and i mean part of that i think is just people's natural tendency to go with ownership over players in sports just because they identify with the team more than anything. But, I mean, the league is just so much better at controlling this narrative that I think the players are basically going to be shamed into um, taking this deal, even though I think it would be total garbage if they did and Tony Clark should probably be fired if they do end up taking more of a pay cut here. But I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. I I think there's going to be too much external pressure put on them and they're going to given to that i'm less optimistic I,
2: I it seemed i think or at least right now they're so far apart that i just i don't see how they can reconcile it with the just kind of what the owners are saying and uh now i can't remember who it was that um maybe it was passing put out an article about how the league says they're gonna lose like 400 billion dollars and in order to like stay afloat they need the players to take even less money. I mean at this point it seems like it would be more beneficial to just skip the season and just try again next year rather than to you know, try and work in a season. Yeah. Uh, I just think that's kind of what the players are going to end up trying to push for. So I'm not super optimistic they're going to be able to kind of close that gap really, I,
0: in any kind of way. I kind of hope you're right not that I don't want a season but I mean it would be nice to see the players kind of hold their ground on this and I mean, if I'm yeah. the players' union, there's no way I'm doing anything unless you're agreeing to completely open up the books for me. We're not going through some third party that you're going to choose that's going to take care of what's revenue and what's not. Like We're actually going to look at your financials and see exactly what's going on. And, I mean, if the players' union does hold that line and tries to force that, then nothing's going to happen because there's a 0% chance of the league ever opening their books. Um, yeah. It's just totally against everything they stand for.
2: So do you think, I'm guessing you do, you think that the, uh, as things stands now, there is a party who is right, who is in the right?
0: I mean, I think, I don't know that it's totally black and white, but I would definitely lean more towards the players. I and mean, listen, I think, like, I think it's, obviously, I, anybody who knows me knows this is how I'm going to lean pretty much always and but i will say that the owners are like going to take a financial hit this year just the thing i can't really get past is that for my entire life the justification for owners making so much money in this is because they take the financial risk and so if they don't need to take the financial risk here then i'd go back to the original question why are they allowed to pocket so much of this money so i mean this is part of being an owner so it's just and also like this whole thing about um i mean the mlb pr machine through national reporters who i won't name and shame but i mean everybody's talking about oh these players need to get it together for the long-term health of the leagues like why would the players be the ones to take the cut on the front end for long-term gains when owners are clearly the ones who benefit from long-term gains not the players most of whom are going to be around for like two or three more years in this league like it just yeah i mean everything to me just points to the players needing to hold their ground and like i said the owners i understand there is a financial hit here but I just players are risking a lot too and it's not just financial they're risking their own health they're risking the health of People in the organization that they work with on a daily basis, they're risking the health of their family when they go back home after uh, being in contact with so many people. I mean, there's a lot of factors here, even beyond the finances.
2: Yeah, and I think if you were to try and strip it down to like its most base form, if you're going to play half a season, it makes sense that
0: you should get paid for half the games.
2: Yeah. Which is what the players had agreed to originally. Yeah, exactly. Wanting is- to take another
0: massive pay cut on top of that doesn't make any sense. And I think that goes back to the PR thing I was talking about because I mean, if you look just on Twitter, which obviously is not the uh, the best sample of just the <laughs> human population, but I mean, if you look at like replies to um, like national reporters on this, it seems like the general opin or the general like understanding of the issue is that most people think that the players are fighting to get paid their full salary, and it's just they, like you said, they if they play a half a season, they're going to get they already agreed to only get paid for half the season like i could see getting mad at them if they were fighting for their whole uh, salary that would be a different story but it's right. just it seems like there's a little bit of a misunderstanding that they've already taken that pay cut and agreed to it
2: yep totally agree so i mean you kind of hit on some of the safety issues too and uh if you're looking for a solid breakdown of what all of that would include uh when the proposal first came out um Sean Doolittle had a quick reaction thread to the process and brought up a lot of really great points, um, which seemed like in the 67-page protocol that that will be released that we'll get into just a bit, it seemed like that protocol tried to stem a little bit of the fear. But, I mean, there's so many people involved in making a game happen that, I mean, there's, there's risk at pretty much every single step. I mean, there's the equipment folks... Um, like hospitality staff. There's coaches. It's not just Trainers, you know, putting players yeah. on a field. There's so many people involved along the way that whose safety would need to be guaranteed as well. Otherwise, like bus drivers and people toting them all the players around everywhere are putting themselves at just as much risk as the players. So there, there's just it's there's such a wide net. Probably of, more
0: risk, just because players, professional athletes are just at a lesser risk just by virtue of being in the kind of shape that they are, generally speaking, compared to all these right. other people.
2: Yep. Yeah. So it's... Uh, Sean Little outlined um, a whole bunch of those safety issues that it just seems like um, it just seems like a lot to just make half a season happen. Um, and particularly if these players are going to be like isolated away from their families, for some in amount of time, um, not to mention the fact that there's still a lot of states that are nowhere close to allowing gatherings. Um, like here in Chicago, uh, the governor had said a couple weeks ago in his like five stage plan to reopen the in the state. Um, sporting events and large concerts and gatherings aren't going to happen until there's a vaccine. That's which fair. isn't going to happen until next year. That's so for mean crowds, no- though,
0: right? Like- yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it included
0: sporting events. So. Yeah, but I don't think because, like, I think Boston's the same way. But um, the mayor said that they would, uh, like, they'd be able to play at Fenway without crowds. So, I mean, I think that's the plan for this year, anyways.
2: I'm not entirely sure if Illinois is the same. Yeah,
0: it might not be. Uh, I mean, there are like California. Um, they might have to start. Like, their teams might have to start in Arizona. Uh, Toronto, I think, is the biggest hurdle. Canada, U.S. Yep. travel is still, I, as far as I know, one. restricted. I think Toronto might end up, I've heard whispers of like Buffalo maybe or going down to their spring training complex in Florida. So I mean, there are definitely some logistics there to work out as far as local governments.
2: Yeah. It just seems like too big of a hurdle to cross. I mean, we've barely hit on a lot of these things, and it just seems like it's too much to just force half a season. And that's why I'm kind of leaning towards, I just don't expect anything to happen this year at all
0: yeah I kind of I mean that that whole pro like list of protocols that they have to do and like things as simple as like no spitting and no like licking your fingers like pitchers are gonna do that out of habit that's just I don't know I haven't seen anything about like what happens if a player does do that like are they gonna get ejected like what's going on um they have I think I saw something about like players sitting in the stands to like socially distance which is. Just I feel like I'm losing my mind with that one because they're on the field together. Like I, I, don't understand the point of that. If you're gonna be standing next to each other at like first base or whatever, I don't know why you can't sit in the dugout next to each other. I don't. Just some of it seems like window dressing. Some of it just seems like it's just jarring how much actually needs to happen. Um, but that being said, I still think it's gonna happen. Um, I think the league is just desperate to make this happen. I don't know. I'm less optimistic that they would actually How get desperate through do it. you think they are? I think they want this a lot. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say that they're like an 8 on the desperation scale. Um, do you
2: think they're desperate enough to cave to the players union?
0: I think they might be. I don't know that the players union um like is going to stand their ground that long. I think the league might uh, muscle them out there, but if the players union does Stand their ground. I still think the league would ultimately make it happen because I think, I think the league sees the writing on the wall that they kind of need to at least try here. Um, I don't think well, like I don't think they should, but I think they they feel like they need to, especially with labor issues on the horizon. I mean, if they miss the season yeah. and then they miss twenty twenty two or whatever because of a strike, I mean that's disaster. So I think they. are I feel like. I would say there's a more than 50% chance they're going to try and get started. If you ask me if they actually finish what they get started, I would say that's less than 50%. Uh, but I think that they're desperately going to try and push something through.
2: The biggest thing that stood out to me in the protocol of getting things together is you're asking players to go months without showering. And that sounds terrible because I can't stand to like, well, showering not take a, a shower. Just showering in the clubhouse. They could shower. Okay, well, that was a very vague note. It looks like they were saying they couldn't shower. No, not at all. <laughs> Sorry, I
0: should have clarified. Yeah, they can't. They can't <laughs> clarify. They can't uh, shower in the clubhouse. But still, I mean, that's still a weird thing on like a getaway day. If you're like yeah. going right onto a plane or something after a game and you can't shower, I mean, that's gross. that's gross. <laughs> like, frankly, I don't. I feel like that's yeah. not. Uh, I don't understand how that's. So it's like making
2: things worse. Yeah,
0: I. I don't I, some of this just seems so weird to me.
2: So I guess all of the things that we've hit on, do you think it is feasible? Or do you think that this, like some of the protocol or whatever will be changed in order to make a season happen?
0: I legitimately don't think players can go 82 games without spitting. Um, there's no way that they're not going to high-five um, by accident. I mean, they say it's like there's similar rules in the KBO right now, and they still high five. It's just a habit. Like you don't even think about it. It's just something that you do. Yeah. They've been playing baseball for like their entire lives, and that's just a thing that happens after a good thing happens on the field. You high five. It, it's just. It's not so easy as. I mean, it sounds stupid to be able to be like to tell somebody not to high five. Like it feels stupid to say that that's not something that they could do. But it's just. It's just an automatic reaction. It's like basically breathing. So. Um, yeah. I've really. No, it was interested- funny. Go ahead.
2: Uh, the Bundesliga came back this weekend, and I'm a Bayern Munich fan, so I watched their game today. is uh, that? Um, the soccer thing? Yeah. Okay. And they kind of had like similar things where they had the players in the stands like six feet apart, the reserves waiting to go in, and then like instead of high fiving, they would forearm bump, which I don't see like how that's all that much different it, from high fiving.
0: Well, I guess you're not your forearms aren't really touching as much stuff as your hands. But still, yeah. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't seem that great. And also, I mean, how long does that last? Like, I feel like after a week, you're just gonna forget. Like the first time, I can see that being in your head, yeah. but eventually, that's just gonna right. leave your head, and you're just gonna start high fiving again. Yep. And it's the same thing like, well, I was saying, with pitchers, like looking their hands, like their fingers to get grips and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's but, no way they can and, avoid that. And I, what, it, like, what's gonna happen if they do? I still, I haven't. Maybe they did outline that i just haven't seen it but like i'm really fascinated to know like what's the punishment do you just get like banned for two weeks (laughs) or what's going on
2: yeah you have to get like come off the field and like immediately test it or something yeah they
0: come out like the hazmat suits and drag you (laughs) off the field like it's just it's crazy yeah and i haven't seen anything about the media either again i don't know i mean i honestly have not been online a ton this weekend so there are things that I may have missed, but I haven't seen anything about protocols for the media being able to cover the game and how that works either. So um, there are a lot, I feel like I have a lot more questions than answers at this point.
2: Yeah. One other interesting piece of um, watching soccer with no fans in the stands is you could hear the players on the field crystal clear. Of course I don't speak German, so I had no idea what they were saying. (laughs) But it would be interesting to hear, I mean, because I find it wildly entertaining when players are mic'd up, which is, I guess, a little bit different because they're, like, talking to the people in the booth But when they do that in the spring training. But being able to hear an entire nine-inning game of what the players are actually saying to each other, I think, would be fascinating.
0: Yeah, but that's another thing, because I saw somebody talking about this at the NBA, too. Like, they should have, um, like, somebody said that they should have an alternate broadcast where you can just listen to the players. Uh, there's no chance that the players that like the players are going to feel like can we like pump in some noise or something so the people at home can't hear us because i'm sure they're saying stuff on that field that they would like the general public to not hear (laughs) like in the heat of the game so i mean it sounds great in theory and i love that and i love that's part of the reason on mlb tv i always listen to the park sounds because when a player like starts yelling you can hear them i absolutely love that and that is a weird positive side effect of no fans but I just feel like yep. the players are going to try and be like, can they? Can we make it so they can't hear literally everything they're saying?
2: Yeah, probably Probably have to have someone on standby for the cussing.
0: Oh, yeah, they, there's going to be a lot of, like, uh, <laughs> empty sounds there.
2: All right, so to put a ball on that, I guess, as we things stand now here in mid-May, what would you put for odds on the season?
0: Yes, like I was saying before, if it's, if the question, I guess if the question is to start, if they're going to start a season or start a spring training, I would say it's like, I'm at like a 60%. And if you're asking to get through a season, um, I would say like 30%.
2: I'm way more pessimistic. I think there's like a 3% chance of it happening.
0: Wow. I mean, I, I get it. Um, Maybe I'm just like going stir crazy. just feel like it just seems like there's so much smoke around it but maybe not everybody's preaching this like we need to give america hope which is another thing that's been driving me nuts because there's like i mean honestly what percentage of america watches baseball or like any individual sport it's just we like to think it's important but i mean the same and the same can be said for nba which is obviously more popular than baseball and even that it's like what is it like 25% 25% of the country would really be like watching all these games. It's just, sports aren't as popular as we think they are. <laughs> People aren't going to be inspired by uh, Marlins, like Reds game in the middle of August that goes four and a half hours and it's an eight-run game.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. I guess, um, I think... Baseball, actually, I guess part of what would be driving because we actually didn't hit on this, but if uh, baseball is able to get something going, the faster they get going is probably the better because then they would be the only show in town. Oh, yeah, that's and that why. Might be a way.
0: Yeah, I meant to bring that up when I was talking about how desperate they are. I feel like that's a bigger yeah. reason why they would be desperate is because they want to get that. They want to get that market, and I feel like they have an advantage over the NBA and the NHL just being outside. Um, that's a huge yep. advantage for them. So. Yeah, I think they definitely see that as like a... I mean, look at the KBO got on ESPN because they're the only Joe town right now. So Major League Baseball, their ratings, like as much as I just said, that they're not that popular, (coughs) their ratings would still be massive.
2: Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. So moving on to our underrated um, players from World Series teams. Uh, You are planning a little article series on this so you want to tee this up
0: yeah so uh this week is um underrated underdog unsung hero i don't know exactly what they're calling it to be honest um but it's along those lines it's another theme week um, across S V nation so this week uh monday through thursday we're going to be doing just a series on the most um unsung heroes or underrated players from the four championship teams um So 2004, 2007, 2013, 2018, obviously. So I figured today we could just uh, do a draft. I like I'm basically just straight up stealing, effectively Wild's draft thing, and they can't sue me for it. Um, So I don't know. I figured we could do three players each. Sure. Um, You want to go first? I do want to go first.
2: first We'll we'll snake it for you. But uh, so I have, I put a list of 10 together because originally we were going to go with five, and I wanted to make sure I had an answer in case you stole all of the ones (laughs) I planned on. And I kind of did a mix of um, guys that had like a moment, guys that had a really good postseason, guys that just had like a a real legit season that kind of gets forgot about. But my number one that immediately came to mind when you uh, started doing this was Derek Lowe's 2004. Derek Lowe, during the regular season, had a 5.42 5.42 ERA across 33 starts, uh, and only 105 strikeouts in 182 innings, which is not very good at all. But his postseason was incredible. He had a 1.86 ERA, and was the pitcher of record for the ALDS, ALCS, and World Series clenching games. Yeah,
0: that's always the 2004. Fun about
2: that run. Yeah, 2004 has like a ton. of of iconic moments. It's got the Sock. It's got Ortiz twice. It's got the Steel. Get to the World Series. We got Bellhorns Horns, Homer. Um, but a lot of people don't remember that's the effort it took to get to through all of those World Series games. And particularly, like, ALCS. Um, it was funny to hear... Um, I can't remember what the... It was Whatever the, the thing that Kevin Millar was, like, mic'd up on. I can't remember if that was a 30 for 30 or if it was a, just another MLB thing. But he kept telling everybody going into Game 4, it's like, we got Chilling tonight, then they got Pedro, and then Game 6, we got all momentum, and Game 7, anything can happen. And Game 7 was Derek Lowe shutting down the Yankees and getting the win. And then, he he had three games started, and they were all each of the clenching games, and it, it was he just so far outperformed what he had done in the regular season, like, they probably don't win the World Series without him because it took so much to get there. Uh, and I don't think, apart from that fun fact, uh, I think people kind of tend to forget Tarek Lowe's overall performance at 2014. So he was the one that immediately came to mind. He's, he'd be my first overall pick.
1: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That is, uh, that
0: is a good one. I didn't even have him on my list. I think I went in a little bit of a different direction than you on these, which is a good thing. Um, I kind of looked more at the role players. Uh, so I ended up having a lot of relievers on my list, but my first pick is not a reliever. And it is someone who was not even on the team uh, by the time they won the championship. But, um, Jose Iglesias in 2013. Um, he was really good in the first half of that season. Um, before he got traded, he hit 330, 376, 409. Obviously, he was an absolute stud defensively. Um, so, I mean, I think people, obviously, World Series problems, the playoffs get the shine and for good reason. But, I mean, the first half of the season and what guys do early on that kind of sets a tone for the season and gets them on the start to get to the postseason, I think that can kind of be forgotten. And Jose Iglesias, as ridiculous as it is now, that debate between Bogarts and Iglesias, it was ridiculous at the time too, but Iglesias was legitimately hitting extremely well. And he's turned into a really solid player overall. But so we had that. um, And then also he ended up getting traded for Jake Peavy, who was a legitimate part of that postseason run. Um, made three starts in the postseason, and Iglesias, in the ALCS, he was with the Tigers, um, and he made, I forget what game it was, but he made a massive error in one of those games uh, that let the Red Sox, I believe it was before Victorino's Grand Slam, um, that kind of let the Red Sox get back into it. So, um, yeah, I've always kind of felt Iglesias was kind of underappreciated with his time with the Red Sox, and he wasn't actually there when they won the World Series, but between what he did in the first half, what he brought back in the trade and then him actually making an error on the other side in the ALCS, he was a big part of that 2013
2: run. That's a good one. See, I didn't even have him on my list. <laughs> but I was uh I was also looking at people who were on the team when they won the World Series, yeah. so that's I like that you took it that direction. Now that's that's interesting. Um Oh, you got another one. Snake
0: it. Oh, we're going snake. Um, Sure. Okay. I am going to go to 2018 now. Um, And I'm going to go with Hector Velasquez. Um, Hector Velasquez, I do not think is a very good pitcher. But he was really good in 2018. Pretty good in 2017, too, but he didn't really pitch that much. But in mean, 2018, 47 games. Eight of them were starts. He finished 15 games. He had a three one eight one 8 ERA. Um, I mean, we talk about versatility all the time in baseball. And I kind of talk about this, too, a lot with him and uh, Brian Johnson as well. But versatility in pitching, I think, is something that people don't get enough credit for. And I don't think we appreciate enough how hard it is to be able to, like, jump back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen whenever you need to and I mean Hector Velasquez was just there to do whatever the Red Sox needed whenever they needed it in that 2018 season I mean that team was such a juggernaut the way you win that many games aside from possibly <laughs> stealing signs at second base is uh you get production up and down the roster I mean Hector Velasquez is like the very definition of like a twenty third man on the roster that just provides huge quiet value. And um, I just I always appreciate a pitcher who can bounce back and forth like that. And Velasquez was uh, just about as good at it that season as anybody outside of like Alfredo Sevis in that two thousand eleven season.
2: Yep, that was a guy that I had on my list. Oh, so he did have someone in common. I kind of thought, I thought our list
0: might be totally different.
2: Nope. That was definitely one that I had. And uh, pretty much for all the reasons that you hit on, like, I also don't think he's that great, but he had a hell of a year and he kept a lot of the rotation together and got some key outs in the bullpen that I, I had him on my list there as well. That was a good one. All right. So you are up. Yeah, I'm going to go with Daniel Nava, Uh, 2013.
0: I almost went with him instead of Velazquez.
2: Yeah. Uh, Daniel Nava's career, uh, just in general, was very short. It was a short stint with the Red Sox. There was one full season that he played with the Red Sox, and it was 2013, and he slashed 303, 385, 445 with 12 homers, and was just such a, like, key contributor to the lineup, when he really wasn't expected to be, that was a huge boost. I mean, there's a lot of guys in 2013 that had, like, incredible seasons that weren't typical of, like, the embodiment of their career. Um, but they were kind of, like, expected to fill a role and be a part of, like, the core team. I really don't think Nava was supposed to be that. He was just kind of... They stuck him in the outfield. Um... They were turning over outfielders um, at the time when he kind of took that role. And, I mean, there's there's a lot of people in 2013 you could point to that. Like, if they had, like, career average years, things would have changed. But I think the fact that he was uh, just every day playing a key role in right field, uh, and that was really, like, the only year that he'd played a full slate of games and actually, like, had been on a team. For an entire season, uh, he just really kind of outperformed his abilities, I guess, for that season. So, uh, Plus, it was awesome that he had a grand slam yeah. or a home run, whatever, in his first at which is sweet. That I actually always will remember.
0: Um, yeah, Dava was uh, actually the first player that came to my mind when um, I got the email saying that the theme of this week was going to be underrated players. Um, Nava was the first player I thought of um, somewhat ironically that is the post I will not be writing this week somebody else is going to be covering that team but uh, yeah I mean Nava obviously I can't be upset about anything that happened in that playoffs because they won but I was like really upset through most of that postseason run because Johnny Gomes was getting all of the starts in left field when that platoon had been working out so well and all of a sudden Johnny Gomes just kind of took the reins and Like I said, it worked out. But I mean, Daniel Nava, I thought deserved more playing time in the postseason.
1: Um, He ended up
0: getting more in the World Series. The first two rounds, it didn't. But yeah, I mean, he was he was insanely good that season. Like he had a 127 OPS plus. He was a legitimate All Star caliber player, like totally out of nowhere. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick.
2: And then for my my last one here. Man, this is actually kind of difficult because I have a handful of guys I can go with here. But I'm going to go with Tim Wakefield's 2007. At this point, Tim Wakefield is a 40-year-old. Basically just riding out his glory days with the Red Sox. uh, And was able to string together 189 innings in 31 starts. Uh, in a year where the pitching performances overall for the Red Sox were not that good. Um, Beckett had himself a year, well, as far as, like, starting goes. Um, Beckett had a decent year. Dice K did not. Uh, Lester did not. Uh, Really, most of their, outside of Josh Beckett, the rest of their rotation was... I mean, it it was pretty much below average. And to get almost 200 innings out of a 40-year-old knuckleballer. I mean, that's probably one of the only reasons you would get that many innings out of a guy. But they just needed people to eat up innings to get to their bullpen because the bullpen was really good. And he basically did his job to get him there. And uh, I just like to fondly remember Tim Wakefield. There's a... Well, I'll wait for you to give your last one before I kind of talk about the other guys that I was a bit torn with there, but I think
0: Wakefield will be my my third pick there. Wakefield's 2007. Yeah, that's a good one. Wakefield, I didn't even... I had kind of forgotten he was on that team, to be honest with you. Um, I feel it. I don't know why, I just kind of felt like he was no longer there at that point, which I mean, it's still a few years after that too. But, um... So I'm going with the 2017 as well. This one I feel like is more of a me underrating him than maybe everybody at large. But uh, Manny Del Carmen was a monster that season. Um, I mean, he had a 205 ERA, and you alluded to it a little bit before that bullpen, just in general, was really, really good. And I just. I don't know. I don't, I guess I just don't remember Manny Del Carmen being that good, but he was outstanding. And Jake and I actually talked about this, um, I don't know, probably like a month ago or six weeks ago, but it's just, it continues to blow me away. I don't know why I don't remember Del Carmen being that good. So I don't really have a ton to say beyond just, it always surprises me when I see how good he was that season. And I guess it's probably because they were guys like Okajima and Papelbon and Timlin and the rest of that bullpen kind of overshadowed the other guys, but um, Del Carmen was a huge piece of that bullpen. So, I'll give him a little love there. Plus, he's a local guy from Boston. So.
2: Yeah, I had some some bullpen guys there, too. Um, the main ones where I had Craig Breslow's 2013 was yeah, on my that. list. Joe Kelly's 2018
0: was on my list. Oh, I definitely um, don't think that's underrated. I think that's very properly rated. You think so? Yeah, people love Joe Kelly. I think if he hadn't gotten a fight, um, it would be underrated. Oh, yeah, that's true. I think the fight kind of made him sort of a icon on that team. I mean Yeah, I guess
2: I mean his regular season was pretty bad. He was super up. But he was like extremely Joe
0: Kelly during the regular season. But yeah, that postseason was (laughs) yeah, insane. He ended up getting a contract just because of that. Yep. People talk about Nathan Avaldi getting paid just because of his postseason run. Joe Kelly's the guy who got paid because of that postseason run. And I had, uh, I didn't realize how little
2: Curtis Laskanik pitched in 2004. But when we look back at 2004, I don't think we remember Curtis Laskanik's moment. He pitched two and a third innings and had an ERA of 10 in the entire postseason. And two of those two in the third came in extra innings in Game 4 when they were out of pitchers. And they threw a guy out there who had almost an infinite ERA and pitched two clean innings and helped secure the win, which is just unbelievable. Uh,
0: Mark Normandin's a big Kurt Laskanik guy. Mark Normandin likes to uh, rewrite the uh, Curt Schilling sock game. Uh, saying it was actually Curtis Laskanic, pitching. The <laughs> um,
2: well, they say it was it big time players show up in big time games. That's
0: Curtis, Curtis Laskanic. That's the guy, <laughs> right there. Um, I was looking through my list. I had I had Nomar on my list. I almost said him just because I he didn't really play that much, so I. He didn't end up making that cut, but he was better than I thought he was that uh, two thousand four season. Obviously there was some stuff off the field that made things different. Um Mike Carp, twenty thirteen. Was like yep, weirdly good. good. Same with Steven Drew. Um My list was one yeah, my list was mainly like bench players, like bottom third of the lineup guys and uh relievers for the most part.
2: I didn't realize that Brock Holt was on the 2013 team. <clears throat> yeah, he was... Um, he played like 20 games.
0: Yeah, he was... At one point, he was like the longest tenured player on the Red Sox, or one of the longest tenured. I forget the exact stat. Uh, this is last
2: So year. I know um, Bogarts was on that team, so they were probably there together.
0: Yeah, but I think Holt might have come up earlier. I might be getting this wrong. I might be talking out my ass right now. But, um, but yeah... Holt was a lot was around longer than kinda seems like. Like it simultaneously seemed like he wasn't around yeah. that long and also he was there for like twenty years. It's a very weird Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much.
2: Alright. Let's wrap up with some listener questions. First, Matt Tobin wants to know so teams have insurance against losses from the pandemic? Question mark. If so, why are they crying poor? This isn't
0: sarcastic. I have no idea if insurance would cover this. So my understanding um, is that they don't have insurance. um, I think it's possible that they could. Um, I've heard like Wimbledon has pandemic insurance. Um, I think like some foreign sports leagues, like maybe soccer or like rugby or something in Australia. might. I've heard like of... um, leagues in other parts of the world that had insurance for this kind of thing. But as far as I know, no MLB teams do. So um, probably wishing they do. It's like, uh, it's that thing that you would never think of buying, but probably didn't cost that much. And would say they do a lot of money now.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. They have, or I guess maybe this is just an assumption, but I thought that they had, like, some kind of security if there was a lost season. But is that, like, conditional on what the reason is for the loss?
0: Yeah, it's probably for, um, I'm sure there's probably, it's probably, like, language in there saying it has to be for, like, labor reasons, maybe. Um, and I mean, I could be totally wrong about this. I've, I have heard, I saw people talking about this on Twitter, like, a month or so ago so uh, the details are a little fuzzy but it was my understanding that there was teams weren't covered by insurance there you would think the league would be though but as far as I know they're not
2: yeah interesting all right
0: <clears throat> insurance is we have uh, bag anyway, so. it's probably a
2: reputable source than then we have a whole bunch of questions from Jackson
0: Posey. Yeah, Jackson Posey, shout out to Jackson Posey. Totally lost his <laughs> mind. This man uh, is <clears> suffering <throat> through some quarantine brain today. We appreciate it.
2: Yeah. His first question is MLB could stand for Master Chef Live Baking, but baseball stole it. <laughs> if the cooking channel wants the name, how much would they have to pay MLB and what would they change it to? Um,
0: well, they would change it to like. N- nbl national baseball league or something like that so i couldn't do nba but i think nbl might be available <clears throat> uh i don't know how much that would cost i would say billion right now, dollars say, like
2: yeah i would say well, I mean, whatever the projected losses are for the season so like four billion yeah yeah there
0: you go <laughs> cover our losses and master chef live baking can have uh, also i'd it's the Food Network, not the Cooking Channel. I think we need to put a little more respect on the Food Network's name by calling it a correct name. I appreciate that you've lost your mind, Jackson Posey, but come on, Cooking Channel.
2: Yeah. Well, his next question is, during Rafi's mid-afternoon nap, tobacco is outlawed. What's his next chew, aside from gum? That's too obvious. See, I always assumed he was a Big League Chew guy anyway. <laughs> more than the tobacco. So uh, I'm going to go with uh, pen caps because that's that's what I tend to chew on.
0: That's a good one. I didn't have any good answer to this. I was just going to say like sunflower seeds, maybe fingernails. Um, But yeah, pen (laughs) caps is a good one. Or like
2: old school, like rugged pitcher with a toothpick in his mouth.
0: Oh, that's insane. I don't understand how they do that. (laughs) Like, Could you imagine having a toothpick in your mouth and the line drive comes back at you? It's like, no, first okay, I not. have a baseball yeah. coming at my face, and also I'm swallowing a toothpick. People are <laughs> insane.
2: <laughs> yep. His next question is, what if Pedroia amputated his <laughs> bad leg and attached it to the bottom of his good leg, thus making him very tall if unbalanced?
0: I, I don't know how to answer this. I think
2: you answered it. He would be tall, but he would probably fall over. And he would still have, I mean, half of his leg would be bad. So I'm not sure that would improve things. Yeah, it
0: def- I mean, it def- plus he would be farther from the ground, so it would be harder to play infield if you're up further from the ground. Yeah, he still has short arms. Yeah, so
2: Getting down to a grounder is going to be
0: real difficult. And, like, he's so good at turning double plays, <coughs> he can't really turn a double play if you're on one leg. So I think that would be very bad for him. That's tough. Yeah.
2: His next question is, convince me that Rob Manfred is actually wearing a wig.
0: Seems like a guy who would. I feel like at one point in his life he tried a bad comb over, and that didn't work, so he moved up to the wig. But Rob Bradford definitely seems like a guy who would not be bald. That would be my argument. Even though I
2: think that's about as good as an argument as can be made for that (laughs) one. Uh, Then his next question is: Pete Alonso is the polar bear. What defeats the polar bear? Tranquilizer, darts. Uh, Which non-front office employee, groundscrew jitter, etc. are you hiring to keep Slugger subdued?
0: So we're shooting Pete Alonzo in this scenario. is what I'm gathering here. Apparently. Um, So I thought about this a little bit. I think you gotta go with the cotton candy uh, distributor out in the stands. I think you want somebody who moves around. So, Pete Alonzo kind of doesn't know where it's coming from, but you also want somebody who's carrying something light, so they can kind of just drop it and get to action when they need to. So, I'm going with Cotton Candy Distributor. Okay. So, I thought
2: of two. One is similar along the lines of yours, Um, but I was going to say the Cracker Jack guy. Yeah, that works too. Because he's got to be good at hitting a target, throwing those bags in the stands all over the place. So, he's a nice, basically for all the reasons that you said, like he it's moving around. It's mobile. It's light, but he's also got that added target practice. There you go. So we know he's a good shot. And then uh, I'm not sure the, the guy uh, that
0: waters the infield. Guy, okay, that works too. You can get it nice and close. Yeah, I'm not sure the uh, mechanics of throwing cracker jacks are the same as shooting tranquilizer darts, though. I don't know how much of that transfers.
2: But, I mean, it's aiming hand eye. Probably more than the shotgun since guy, like fourth grade when i was in boy scouts so it's been a while uh next question is since alex gora said he might not want to manage anymore i think he should start a band called coral riff a play on words that's that will be huge in the underwater community
0: it's not even a question (laughs) it's good but it's literally not a question
2: it's a great idea though I'm, i'm for it well, we know he was on that 2014 team that was full of musicians. So he's already got people he can listen Was it full of
0: musicians? Up.
2: Yeah, like Johnny Damon and um who was it? Brunson else who actually like Yeah, Brunson Royal. Johnny was Damon was a
0: musician.
2: Yeah. They like put together there was one other player too, I think it was someone in the bullpen and
0: actually like played songs one time. I don't think Johnny Damon. This is gonna sound mean. <clears throat> it is mean. I don't think Johnny Damon is talented enough at anything besides baseball. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't strike me as a guy that can Harsh. hold a tune. Damon's always an easy punchy pick. I stand by it. <clears throat> what was the team that did the uh, the bullpen music? Oh, with like the yeah. Forget what you the, year that They did was. like spoons and shit. Yeah. and they bang on. That them. was like that was somewhat recently. I feel like that was like I don't know, 2015, 2016, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I think you so, could too. get together with that group. That would be pretty sweet. For his underwater band. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: then his last question is: Will we ever get a headline that simply says "Renicky Finicky"?
0: Oh uh, yeah. Uh, he just spoke it into existence. I will use uh, if uh, if it applies. <laughs> if they play baseball this year and uh, Ron Renicki makes a game deciding decision, that will absolutely be my headline.
2: So to me, that sounded like a Shaughnessy special after Reneke manages the game of his life.
0: Oh, that's a good one too. I can see that. Okay, I'll let I'll let Shaughnessy, I'll let Shaughnessy have it.
2: Well, first dibs. I mean, that's that's a pretty dope headline. You're going to want to claim that. Oh, I know Shaughnessy
0: definitely listens <clears throat> to this podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. oh, I should probably stop saying bad things about him. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he listens. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, that'll wrap it up. That was, that was a great episode. Thank you for those questions, Jackson. That was MVP, much needed. MVP of the episode. Though. Easily. Uh, you can find... <clears throat> Matt on Twitter, running the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Check out all the awesome stuff we got going on on that website. Last week was What If Week, or a fun little article about what if baseball was played (laughs) on ice. Check that out. That was fun. Uh, This week is uh, Underdog, Underrated, Under whatever you want to call it, week. Matt's got a nice little series there, and I'm sure some of the other writers will pop in and write some What If stuff and you can find me on Twitter, at The Spoken Keats. And we'll give, we'll give Jake a shout-out. You can find him at DevJake. And that's going to do it. We're done. See you next time.